Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Keep listening, even though it's a crossover. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them, like, actually fighting crime. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catch the seeds, just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. And welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. My name is Seth Everett. You knew that. You subscribed. Thank you so much for doing so. The rates, the reviews, the rankings, we appreciate it all. But we have animation royalty today. And we've been on an animation kick. And it's been a lot of fun these last couple of weeks. Uh, I welcome in the executive producer of the Warner Brother Animation uh, the DC animated movies. He comes from the lineage. He worked on Superman. He worked on Justice League. And now he produces all these movies. And Warner Brothers has this exciting new movie out called Reign of the Superman. We've already done our extensive reviews of the death of Superman. And we're looking forward to the New York screening. Because though everybody's fancy in L.A., they had the L.A. screening already. But the, the New York screening in a couple of weeks of the DC animated property, Reign of the Superman. James Tucker is on the show. Mr. Tucker, welcome to the Hall of Justice. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I feel like I know you because you get interviewed for the, the commentaries and the DVD documentaries <laughs> all the time. Like you that's do those. Thought. But that's but <laughs> but it's funny. Like that's the that's how fans know you. Like you you know, you're yeah. active on social media, but the, to really see the face behind some of the products that they like, this is the best way. Yeah, you know, that's fine. Well, I mean, I'm old enough to know or remember that guys who got in the business when I did didn't that, that we didn't know we were signing up for that. We wanted to make cartoons, but you know, I mean, you, that you know, it was in the early '90s, and and you know, Bruce Tim, Paul Dini started getting seen and uh, doing interviews, and um, but before that, it was what you know, maybe Ralph Bakshi occasionally, John Kay had started, uh, you know, but then now it's just part of the gig. If you if you get into some, um, you know, acquire some status in uh, animation, you are expected to now be a uh, a talking head. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of, I don't know if I had known that going in, if I might have uh, been quite as ambitious, but here we are. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, before you got into the superhero stuff, you were doing stuff for Warner Brothers. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I piecemealed this research together, IMDb and whatnot, and, and, so so correct me if i make any mistakes but you worked on tiny tunes and animaniacs is that is that was that the I've starting on point? yeah yeah um yeah I, I well i won't go bore you with all the long details but oh, I tell me about elementary school how was your fifth grade teacher <laughs> picture it gary indiana 19 blah, blah, get out blah. of here you're from gary indiana home of the jackson yeah. five yeah they were gone by the time i was yes. uh aware but yeah yeah. Um, so, well, long story short, I got a gig at this studio called Startoons that was um, outsourced, um, being, um, was a contractor for Warner Brothers. They were doing like one episode for every 10, I guess, that um, Warner's uh, was doing with Animaniacs. But jump, jumping backwards, um, the first Tiny Toons I worked on was. 13 something. We did an episode of Tiny Toons called 13 something, which is based on uh, 90210 meets 30 something. But anyway, two shows most people are probably don't remember. But uh, um, and then we did a Christmas special, 
uh, Tiny Toons Christmas special, and then we got the gig to do um, episodes of Animaniacs. And uh, all of this was ground floor for me. I mean, I came off the street. I mean, I had gone to school, but I didn't go to school for animation. And uh, they hired me, and I basically got paid to learn. And um, that was my connection to Warners. And then eventually that crew of people ended up migrating out to California. We all got jobs in the animation industry. I got my gig with uh, Bruce Tim on Superman, and the rest is is uh, Google Googleable. <laughs> right, Googleable. There you go. Googleable. Nice. Well, and I don't want to do the, the This is your life. I mean, we're not. You know, this yeah, is yeah, not yeah. A, it's, it's not. not a, it's not a James Tucker tribute show. It's just a no. James Tucker <laughs> yeah, we can wait for me to kick but, off first for that. But but, uh, but but I'm curious to take us to you know. I think the audience would really love to know. You know, Batman had happened. Right, Batman yeah. the animated series. I thought I had missed my ch- yes, and in fact, um, the studio I was at, Star Tunes, had gotten a demo tape of early animation from it, and and we were actually offered the chance to work on one of the original BTAS episodes. But my boss, probably at the time, John McClanahan, who ran the studio, wisely thought and and knew that we probably couldn't handle that amount of work because those BTASs were. A, they were in a realistic style. They weren't funny, which is what Startoon's forte was. Right. And uh, so he turned it down. But I'm in, you know, Batman is my life even at this point. And I, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I've missed my one opportunity to work on Batman. You know, so, fast but, but, forward five years and I'm I'm on it. But Right. But, but at the time it was Superman. And Bruce Tim yeah. said something that I've referenced on this show a lot. And it's it, it's one of the great statements because it comes into play talking about the live action the animation and and, and and this has been a lot to a lot of listeners bruce tim said writing superman is hard it's hard yes. because he's so strong and he made that point and remember this is the late 90s the internet was in its infancy and that statement resonated and what my response has always been i'm curious to get your thought on it is good because there have been great Superman stories, and if you're telling me that it's hard, I makes me appreciate the great ones that much more. Well, I kind of I have a different opinion about it because I think if you're strictly writing to a power level, then yeah, it's hard. But if you're writing to the person, to the character, to what's inside of his, why is he virtuous? I mean, why is he? who he is and that you don't worry so much about his power levels or you know i think what bruce may have meant was just that it's hard to find an adversary to go up against superman but uh the best superman stories really aren't apart from doomsday uh death of superman they're not really about him fighting someone that's like the only real story where fighting in and of itself plays a key role the rest of it you know, all the classic Superman stories are about him as a person overcoming something. You know, the challenge of, you know, they're 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 not about the powers so much. Um, and I think, well, you know, having worked on Superman several times, you, the thing you lean into is 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 he's a a decent man. He's a he's a person who has hope. He's uh he's the opposite of Batman in that Batman hopes to make things better. Superman thinks things are already good he he thinks he can make the world see things as looking better you know what i'm saying he's he's it's a different it's the flip side you know he he represents hope you know batman's trying to create a world where there can be hope it's just a little different but um so i don't know i i don't know i i always find if you write to the character of superman all the mecha- the mechanics of I don't think people pay as much attention to whether he can push a, a planet out of orbit or not, you know? Right, or fly around but, the world uh, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you can give, you can have him do all kinds of ridiculous things. I mean, Superman, the the, the movie, yeah, he he, turn, he, he changes time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, that would not fly in a modern interpretation of Superman as we know him now and with all our literal, you know, science based, oh you can't talk in space. You know, all these things that, you know, are are counter to sci fi fantasy. Um so I don't know. I, I always kinda lean into 
the fifties version of Superman who where it was more about, you know, what was going on with Jimmy and Lois and Perry, the people he cared about. Right, right. And his own personal issues with, you know, Oh, I'm in love with a mermaid, but I like uh, Lois too. You know what I mean? Right, it was just right. it was about him as a person. So I don't know. Lori Lamaris. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Well, like I said, we're not we're not bouncing. You know, this is not a chronological storyline. You, know, right. you know, again, no good. <laughs> this is not the IMDb show. Um, but you 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 br- we're talking about Superman, so let's get to Reign of the Supermen, and let's just get to the the, the project as a whole. Um. It, it's this iconic story, and you know I make yeah. no secret about the fact that that's the story that got me to read comics. I never read comics as a kid. I watched cartoons, wow. but but I got into comics because I was a I was working for a, a a Syracuse University campus TV station, and I got sent to cover the death of Superman. And I couldn't wait. wait bl- you were you were an adult when you first I, read I a was, comic book? I, yeah, because I had seen the Super <laughs> wow. Friends. I had seen okay. the Super Friends, but I would, you know, yeah. comics were not my thing, and I wasn't yeah. exposed to the Dark Knight Returns and 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 you know JLA Year One and 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 the death of Superman introduced me to this world where I saw that yeah. comics were for adults. So you know, my comicdom was was really from the age like eighteen to now. I mean, it it, it really. Right. You know, and that you know, for, for for the for the audience, that's thirty years. So we're not talking about you know, this wasn't yesterday. But the death of Superman is this iconic book, and yeah. you guys had done a movie before, and you were working on the first movie, the Superman Doomsday. What take us through the just the process? You don't have to tell any inside secrets, but you're more than welcome to. What's the 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 the, the, the sit down meeting where they say, you know, we did that movie, but we want to do it again. Well, I'll just clarify. I didn't work on Doomsday. I was working on a Superman-based TV show at the same time Doomsday oh. was being done called Legion of Superheroes. Yes, that's but right. But I was privy. I mean, I was next door to Bruce Timm, so I, right, I was privy to what was going right. on. And we had both finished working on Justice League, and we went our separate ways. He started the uh, DVD line of DC movies, and I um, did Legion of Superheroes, and then... Um, brave and the bold yep. um yep. but you know we were right next Which door we'll to get each to. other so we'll, yeah we'll get yeah. to all those <laughs> but um so anyway but i was privy to the fact that you know there was i think going into doomsday i won't speak directly for him but i know he there was a sense of for us um you know the the things that were going in the comics at the time we were making the shows were going in a counter direction than what you know, what we were doing. So a lot of times we kind of resisted tapping into the comics if unless we were absolutely forced to. And so, um, you know, at that point, um, Death of Superman or Doomsday, that whole arc wasn't that old to us. That's to to us as comic book fans, that was very recent. And it's almost like I think kind of we were looking at that as kind of the with the same kind of I won't say disdain, but we were we were just keeping we were like that's the comics. We don't want to be influenced by what the comics are doing right doing now because right. yeah, we're doing our own thing. We don't want to date ourselves with being specific to this era of comics. Kind of the backlash, similar to the backlash the new 52 stuff sure uh has and that I'm dealing with with my movies now. But um we'll get to that um, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh wow. Uh, this is going to be a long, long day. Well, um, you have a long career. <laughs> I, you know, in the, blur, in the blink of an eye. But um, yeah. <laughs> I think he found it a challenge. He it wasn't something he relished taking on because I think he felt he had done as much as he wanted to do with Superman um, through uh, the Superman series and Justice League. And so when we were tasked, he was tasked with bring you know jump starting this line. You know, he had, he kind of used the same filter that we used on everything, editing, editing, editing. And the task was to combine this, this you know, long um, stunt event, if you want, um, the death of Superman thing, and, and encapsulate it into one movie. So he wasn't given much real estate to play with. And so, you know, you have to make necessary cuts. So um, I think he found it challenging. Um Coming off the Justice League, where we were really just firing on all cylinders, we really found our legs on Unlimited, uh, especially. 
It was great fun. We were working with Dwayne McDuffie, who was at the peak of his powers. and The late, great uh, Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah. So we both, I think, were in kind of a – we were feeling kind of the change of, of not doing that was really influencing a lot of what our next projects were because I was kind of in shock starting Legion. <laughs> um, you know, I rallied, but, you know, it was it was hard to shit – a lot of times in animation, you work on a show, you pour your heart into it, it ends, and there's literally no real buffer time before you're on to the next thing. Next so project. there's no, yeah. So um, I don't know if that's answering your question, but it was chal- I'll put it this way: it was challenging for both he and I to jump onto Superman projects that weren't tied to the Superman we had been working on for the last ten years prior. And you were so. told, and at the time when you were starting that line. Unlike, for example, um, Mask of the Phantasm or Mystery of the Batwoman or any of the other ones, they were there was a distinct line in the sand that said this has to be different. And I'm, yes. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm literally asking that naively. Um, you know what? I say yes, but then I I don't know if I, I don't know if the suits knew enough to say or care specifically. But it just seemed that, especially in in Bruce's case, well, in mine, well, okay, I'll say in Legion of Superheroes case, I was definitely told it cannot be what we had already done. So I, I had to start from scratch. In Bruce's case, a lot of the Doomsday stuff that was in the comics, we actually used bits and pieces of in um, the Just, Justice League series. Like right, we had fought, a version of Doomsday. Yeah, yeah. So we we kind of. You know, Cherry picked a lot of those story elements for uh, Justice League, so he kind of had to start from scratch. He he didn't really have the luxury of of just using the Superman we had already established in in that Doomsday. So he had to start from scratch, and um, you know that's always hard. And, and I you know I didn't know this until I start took over doing the movies for uh, uh, for Bruce. Which was when? At, 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 one, at what point? I didn't mean to cut you off, but what point did no. you take over the movies? I would only, I, you know, I'm not great with dates, but I'd say, okay, Brave and the Bold ended around uh, 2011. Another great So show. around 2012. Yeah. When, whenever, I mean, basically when he went on to start up the Green Lantern um, CGI series, uh-huh. um, that's when he asked me to take, you know, he asked me, um, you know, kind of to babysit the movies for him. <laughs> Not babysit, because he, he wasn't planning on coming back, to be honest. But, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, here we are. But, um, so yeah, the so first movie around 2011, 2012. So the first movie, did you, was that Flashpoint? For me, um, well, it's hard, the, the first, it, it's kind of a... a because originally I ended Brave and the Bold, and then they just said, here's two movies to do. And one of them was Scooby, um, Mask of the Blue Falcon, yes, and the I other one that. was Superman Unbound. But neither was considered a start. Like, I didn't know I was going to be doing more movies after that until he asked me. So after that, he did ask me. And when he um, and then Flashpoint was the first one on the list, I think, if, I'm, if memory serves. So yeah, then Flashpoint came. So that was actually the third movie I did in the lo- uh, you know, of the movies. Hey, this is Victor, and I want to tell you about Vantage House Productions. When I'm not on air, I'm the hardest working man in comics with my creator-owned publishing imprint, Vantage House Productions, the best small press imprint in North America. Or at least, I think so. Home of award-winning titles like Wonder Care Presents The Kindergartians, Origins Unknown, the critically acclaimed The Trouble With Love, best-selling series The Samaritan, and Old Crazy and the 40 Ounces of Death. That one's definitely not for the kiddies. But we do have more for budding creators. Check out You Create Comics. That's the letter U, C-R-E, dash eight. Comics for our exclusive line of traditional art supplies for new and established creators alike. And now, back to the show. One quick thing on, on Unbound. Um, that is... Uh, is a, a Supergirl story, um, yeah. Very it much, sure is. Very much like a Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, which might have been, you know, you, you you were in the room, but you were working on Brave and the Bold, and it's yeah. it's just interesting how then the titles had to not include her name, and yet now it seems like you know with the success of the TV show and 
you know what, what's going on in our society and everything you would yeah. think that if those movies were to re, be reissued with new titles having supergirl in the title i mean they're fantastic movies the unbound the brainiac okay. in that movie is is incredible but it's a supergirl story not it, it's right. it, and it's you know it's funny because every good supergirl story in the comics has him in it i mean it's yeah. not a knock on superman but it's yeah. really a story about her yeah, it really is. I mean, he's just kind of there for uh, context, uh, you know, it's like, but it could have easily made it without him, I think. <laughs> I mean, based, right. I mean, the comic book is based on, it's funny because I think it's more of a Supergirl story in the making of the movie than it was in the actual graphic novel we adapted it from. In fact, I'm trying to remember if, how much of her is even in the graphic novel. It's been so long since I worked on it. But yeah, it's a Supergirl story. To me, that was the more interesting angle, is to to make her the center of the story. Um, because there's been an, a lot of Superman done, and, you know, I've worked on some, some of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I just wanted a different, I wanted to just come at it from a different angle. And uh, she was, you know, she's always been an interesting character. So, um yeah, that was uh yeah, it's a Supergirl story. Are you a so, are yeah. you a fan are you a fan of the 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 live action stuff that's that's going on and I mean when it's kind of an open-ended question because there's all the CW shows and yeah. and also, you know, that, that now there's this uh this this DC app with the with the Titans and all mm-hmm. the other thing. Like Yeah, my whole career's on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Um it could it literally could be renamed that app. Um uh what what's your thought on all the all the the live action stuff? I mean, there's a could you believe there's a Green Arrow show every week and it it draws millions yeah. of viewers? I have to, you know, I mean, you know, and I'm like any other fan when it comes to this stuff. I I I I'm like, wow. I, I, what, I what I'm saying is that you don't I you have to stop and think. There was a time when sure. all of this was unimaginable. The fact oh. that we have this much and DC specific stuff. I mean, we rule as far as television and animation goes. I mean, we're when we're and we're turning the corner on the feature films too. Sure. So um, it's like, but I have to catch myself and go, wait a minute. What would ten year old me think about all of this? You know, because like you know, and to answer your question, I don't get to watch everything right. we do now. There's just too much of it, and it's too spread out. I mean, it's too. There's just so many. I try to sample a little of them just so I can form an opinion about it and speak, sure. you know, uh, intelligently about it. But there's so much. Even in at there's so many animated shows now that aren't. You know, it used to be if Bruce Tim wasn't doing it, there was no DC animated. Right. Show. Right. There was no other DC animated <laughs> show. Now there's we've got several going. I mean, right, it's, right. It's crazy. So I, I think we're in a. You know, I think. You know, it's hard to have perspective when, especially for younger people who don't understand what the landscape was like when it was just Super Friends and Adam West reruns, if you were lucky. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That, Linda Carter. That was right. Sure. Linda Carter, you know, but, um, and those were all great. I mean, that, I think those things led us to like the things and influence the creators who are making these new shows. Um, but there was a time when, you know, we didn't have all of this stuff to we didn't have the luxury of nitpicking everything that came out so um and and didn't have the platform to do it either but um sure. so i think we're in a golden age of 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 stuff and uh oh, there's you know. so much there's there's so much out there it's yeah. it, it, it it's funny because you know i always i ask the question all the time uh, you know if you watch uh, f- you know four live action shows six animated shows uh, you you own seven dvds but you don't read yeah. a comic book are you not a comic book yeah. fan like, of course, well, of course you are. Yeah, I can't, you know, and this, there's a big debate about that where, you know, sure. there's definitely old school comic book fans who kind of want to assume an elitist opinion about, you know, well, if it wasn't from the comic or if this, if it's different from the comic, it doesn't count. And I'm like, sorry, guys, there's way more people watching this stuff than they're reading it. And that's just the, you know. It's it's an unfortunate fact, you know, but still, I mean, the comics still lead the way to me. That's where all the 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 ideas and and and, and um, concepts come from. So you can't discount the comics, but I'm just, but you can also can't discount 
the other media out there that is also informing the characters. I mean, Harley Quinn didn't originate in the comics. At least this version didn't. No, no. You know, and there's several other characters. And the, what happens is, is that a character is created for these other medium, and then, uh, you know, some kid grows up to, and then decides to write comics, <laughs> yeah, and then they bring that character into the comics, or you know, whatever. There's, it's all part of the same thing to me. I I think of what we do in this a, in animation as another form of doing comics. Right. It's the same yeah, ideas I, I, that I go in. That. You know, we, well, we, we and they're held to the same the, standard. Right. Yeah, the same harsh standard. <laughs> so, um, you know, only our embarrassments are seen by a lot more people. <laughs> they, well, you know, it's like. You can, you know, you write a crappy comic, you go, oh, there's always the next issue. Um, but, you know, so I don't know. I, To me, it's just, a, you know, and the, there's several people I know, like Bruce Timm, if he had, if he had wanted, if he had ended up in comics first instead of animation, I don't know that he loves comics. He loves doing them. So, um, and the same thing with me. I mean, I would have. You know, it, it was just a fluke of uh, fate that I ended up in animation and not in comics, so. Hey, folks, this episode of the Hall of Justice is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet and BetOnline.ag and their big game promotion. 2019 is starting off in a very big way thanks to our friends at BetOnline.ag, the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Well, if you didn't love your gifts from this holiday season... How does an all-expenses-paid trip to the big game sound? Round-trip flight, hotel, VIP tailgate party, and tickets to the big game for you and a guest in Atlanta. You heard it right. A once-in-a-lifetime all-expenses trip to the NFL's biggest game of the year. This is coming up in Atlanta for two people. It's happening. How do you enter? Simple. Go to betonline.ag. Sign up for a BetOnline account. Enter the contest. Our exclusive partners at BetOnline.ag have the golden tickets. Don't miss out. The promotion ends soon, January 25th. The game is just a couple of weeks later. Visit BetOnline.ag today for all the details. That's BetOnline.ag. Now back to our conversation with James Tucker. I have one other uh, question before we get back to rain because it's kind of oh, yeah. lead, it leads us back to rain, sure. and I, I want to get to that because that's mm-hmm. really you know I I I, I, I I'm telling you when when I talked to uh, the the powers that be about getting you on, I was trying to minimize this this conversation, but you see all the tangents that we that we can yeah. go off on. Right. I, I I mean it's going to have to turn into a series. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the decision that you guys made or was told to make to change the characters. So flashpoint paradox comes out and then suddenly yeah. justice league war, and it's a different justice league there, regardless of where you stand. I want to ask this as a journalistic objective question. They're different. Mm-hmm. The, the, all the characters are different. There's different voices, different costumes, uh, no red underwear and all these different, different uh, movies. And then that's the moment that the DC movies decide to do a, a whole string of continuity so that when you yeah. get to rain, it's that guy that's going through the, the fight with doomsday as opposed right. to the guy that Dan Jurgens drew in the comics. And again, yeah. I, the, just the thought process on how, how you got from point A to point B. Wow. Uh, well, um, <laughs> Well, okay, so I get the get the gig to do these movie DC movies. I I'm thinking they're going to go along as they've been, where they're all standalones, which has its own challenge. In the, in a meeting, uh, Alan Burnett and I are sitting in the meeting, and uh, our boss comes in uh, with DC's boss, and they tell us, "Oh, you're going to be doing in continuity movies now." <laughs> now, mind you, we had a full script to a movie we were just about to get started production on. Full oh, script that had to get trashed. Um, it wasn't very good. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Come on, but you, say, you saved it, right? You have it. Well, yeah, you know. I mean, not, whatever. It was, it, was, it was what it was. Um, it happened to be a Superman story, but I won't go into that. But, um, oh, my goodness. 
I will get anyway, the vitriol. So- I'm just saying I will get the vitriol <laughs> on Twitter now that people will hear. <laughs> but um, so and I don't I can't remember if we had already done Flashpoint. I assume we had. It was in the works, you know, and so. And also it coincided that coincided with the new fifty two. So it almost happened as if it was the same thing that happened to the comics where from what I understand the the, 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 the story goes is that they did Flashpoint and they saw how Flashpoint was going and at some stage during the making of the Flashpoint comic book they decided to do the new fifty two. But it wasn't orchestrated like that from the conception of the of Flashpoint. So it's the same thing with us where we did Flashpoint. We thought it was going to be a standalone, but then we were, you know, told to make a continuity. They didn't tell us necessarily to use Flashpoint, but I said, well, if it worked for the comics, you know, and some would say right. it the, did the or timing, didn't. Right, the timing right. is right. So we did, so, you know, so I tie, I consider Flashpoint the first um, salvo of this new um, continuity. And right. so, uh, but yeah, and... um doing the death of Superman, you know, it had never, it seemed like the minute, the day after Doomsday came out, the idea was to keep, to somehow go back and do a new, you know, it made a bazillion bucks. So, uh, you know, and uh, I think the the people at Warner Home Video, well, I know they did. They, they, they read comments, you know, everyone reads comments, even though, you know, you know, say like, they don't, oh, don't right. read the comics. Right. It's like an athlete says they don't listen to sports radio on the way home from the game. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, you know, it does influence their opinions about things, uh, whether some of us in the trenches like it or not. But, um, and so this, this, the idea of doing a, a new, another version of Death of Superman was kind of looming almost my, after my first year into it. It was like that kept coming up. I'm like, well, the first movie isn't that old yet. We don't even know this Superman. I've got to make him likable before we kill him off, you know. Um, so we, I, I held it off as long as I could could hold it off, um, you know, to do because I they really wanted to get to that point a lot sooner than I felt comfortable or felt that we were able to to do it justice. No pun intended. To really build up Superman. And even still, if I had my druthers, we would have had one more Superman-centric movie before we got to death. But, you know, it is what it is. And death had to do a lot of heavy lifting to put Superman in that space where he's familiar to the way people understand him to be. Because, in the in the you know, when they did um, the New 52 relaunch, they, you know, they made him a little different. They made him... Mm-hmm. Not quite as, not quite the character we all have come to take for granted. The thing is, is everyone knows who that character is, Superman, and uh, you you have to get him back to status quo in order for people to care that he died. If he's still a jerk uh, <laughs> when he dies, everyone's going to go, oh, who cares? Oh. Well, it's anyway, interesting that's, that you use that. No, no, it, but... it's it, but it's interesting that you use that word because that's. That that's kind of the consternation, and it it, it ties into to Henry Cavill and and the comics were mimicking Henry Cavill, and he's just a different guy. And you know this yeah. this guy doesn't save a cat out of a tree. And right. was there a was there a fight? It, not necessarily between you and anyone else, but was there a debate? Uh, you know, Mike Carlin is on your staff, and 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 mm-hmm. he was the editor of of the books of of of. Was there a debate of whether or not that guy was going to go through this process, this double movie, you know, four four supermen beat, you know, killed by Doomsday, the 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 whole thing? Was that a heavily debated thing, or was that something that you kind of just smoothed right into? It um well, you know what, we tackle them one movie at a time, so we actually went into death without a very solid, you know, it was like. Because the way the books are, there's the front end where you you know you have the doomsday thing, and then there's the aftermath, and and the whole lot of story happens in the aftermath. You're right, the that, funeral, that, the funeral, yeah, the, the funeral. But it also, I mean, people don't remember or may not be aware of how that event reverberated throughout all the books and how mm-hmm. it affected Green Lantern and 
all these characters came about crazy, from right. that. Yeah. Green Lantern goes crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was we knew going in that okay, the the thing that people missed from the first Doomsday animated movie wasn't so much the plot specific plot points. It was seeing certain characters. It was seeing Superboy, it was seeing Steel, it was seeing Eradicator. Um it was um seeing Cyborg Superman. And we knew we'd have to boil down the story to kind of accommodate good showcases for them. And so we kind of, at that point, we had to diverge from the, the finer points of what the comic did, because the comic went in a million directions after Superman died. There were comic books, there were multiple, you know, there was, it, it spawned a whole bunch of other things that happened and, and stayed with the DC universe going forward. You know, I mean, it, completely changed Green Lantern for a while. So um, sure. we had to I focus... Mean, I mean, Kyle Rayner exists yeah. because of the death of Superman. Yeah. So, um, you know, we knew we couldn't do the Green Lantern part of the story where, you know, with Mongol and stuff, and we, we had to pull it back into where it concerned Superman, where it still was a Superman story, even though he wasn't in it. It was still about Superman. And I think the original, you know, story spread away you know it spread cast a wide net out and 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 affected a lot of stuff so um there was no real debate i mean mike has you know has been working with us he's basically our our connection to dc he keeps us honest to make sure we don't go so far afield from the books but he understands you know he's an editor he understands how you adjust things for a new medium he worked on the superboy show back in the 90s so oh wow you know, he, so Mike's been a good guy to work with. And, and, you know, Death of Superman and Reign of Superman were his babies. So he did have a little – he was a, a definitely a more protective of those. But when it came time to do the adaptations of things, he was really cool. I mean, it, I was surprised how much he kind of laid back and, and just let let us kind of take it and, and try to make it in something that would fit – that would honor the original story but also fit into the continuity. Because the other thing about – death of superman and this is my contention was that it doesn't work as a standalone you cannot that was the other thing that i think was challenging for the first the doomsday movie was that it's a new version of superman you're plunking the audience into this new version of superman yeah all the tropes are still there but everything feels different a little bit you know and um so you're starting from square one and and if he dies you're basically only going off the nostalgia and the uh the warm, fuzzy feelings people have built in about Superman, but it's not really related to this character that you're just introducing, even though he's in the right costume. But, you know, it's a, you, there needs to be a familiarity with a, a connection to the character. That's fascinating. So that it makes sense, you know. Like if, if the first Chris Reeve movie, Doomsday killed him, would we have cared as much? I mean... You know, well, that, but that, that was the argument. That was the argument yeah. for Batman v Superman. I mean, yeah, you killed well, him. You, exactly. you hardly, you hardly knew him, and and now he's dead. Yeah. And and oh, by the way, he's tweeting about how he's in the next movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, no comment on that. But <laughs> okay. yeah, but I'll put it this way: it, it's definitely doing these kind of movies. The 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 amount of of uh, you know traffic control. I mean, these stories are big you know, huge stories and everyone wants, and I, you know, I think if anything, maybe they got a little bit um, over eager to get to certain high points for Superman. And maybe that's why, you know, they did what they did. Um, But, you know, had they had a four hour movie to tell it with, maybe it would have not felt as rushed. I don't know. Um, Everyone has a different set of, of, of challenges when they do these things. So, I was lucky in that with death, um, the home video people said going in, you're going to have two movies to tell this story now. So now you have a little more real estate. You know, now it's like, okay, now I can figure out how to get a lot of this stuff into this story. But, um, you know, there was no way Doomsday would have been able to do it um, in that movie. One thing I've always one thing I've always wanted to ask you, you or, or Bruce or, or anybody in these movies um, I've heard a lot because, again, I, I'm a fan. So I, I've seen the interviews. I've seen the I read the panels. I go on the YouTube. I've seen the Comic-Con stuff. Um, 
I've never been to a Comic Con, but that's a different story. Wow. Well, no, no, I've been to Comic Cons. I've never been to yeah. that San Diego. To Comic-Con. the, oh right. my gosh, I've been to New York a dozen times. You know that that, yeah. that kind of thing. But anyway, um, everybody always talks about time constraints, and yeah, in this digital age where everything's on iTunes and Netflix and everything like that, what is the what is the time constraint? Is it budget? Is it Here's a you can make a movie, but if it's 85 minutes, that's too long. 75 minutes, that has to be. It, it seems like there's always been that target time of 75 minutes. What's the motivation behind it? Is it is it that's what the studio demands? Well, there's several things. Um, well, hey, time is money. So for every you know minute you go over, that equates to a certain amount of money that has to be paid to. Enemy. You know, the board artist, the voice talent, everything, every second adds, it has some sort of numerical equivalent as far as money. Um, for us on home video, they we can't deliver a movie that's shorter than a certain amount of time, but we can deliver one that's longer. But conversely, we can't basically pay for more animation than where we're getting, meaning they give us a set amount of money the animation studio that finishes out the animation is being paid this certain amount to do this certain amount of work. If we want a longer movie, we have to give them more money. You know, it's, 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 it's like, uh, you know, selling peanuts, you know, it's like everything has a cost. And, uh, right, but, you know, but these movies, but these movies are successful. And I, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if in the course of, let's say, I'm just throwing a movie out there, throne of Atlantis would five uh-huh. minutes, would five minutes have helped you? Has, is that a fight that you, is that part of your day-to-day that you, you fight for five minutes when it's necessary? I think my, for me, it's more about knowing how to reverse engineer it, meaning it's like I want, I know I'm going to need a certain amount of time for, for certain scenes to play out. I don't need as much time for other scenes. I can, if I'm smart, I can go in and engineer certain scenes to to be shorter as far as like if I know I'm going to go in and edit certain holds or pauses I don't have to have that time animated you know what I'm saying like if you know I can, what I do is I, I try to figure out where I can pad the movie on the back end okay. so that scenes play out longer in context but if you see the very first version of the movie Everything feels too tight. Everything feels too compact, mm, and it. so it's kind. Of, you have, it's a it's a it's a kind of a it's a tricky game where you're you're trying to get more um, out of it than what you know. You're trying to make it feel more filmic than what the money is allowing you to do, um, and some of it's just editing. I mean, editing um, is really where the movie gets made to me. You know, I, that's where all the timing is figured out. That's where the drama comes from because you can have one scene that just plays right through. But if you go in and add pauses and holds and the thing I always say that we do here on our movies is we let our characters hear each other. Some other places like to run their dialogue back to back against each other. And it just becomes a wall. It's like, uh, you know, Phil Spector wall of uh, sound, (laughs) you know, whereas we like to, we we like to create quiet spots within the dialogue where people are actually taking time to absorb what a character has said to them. Anyway, all this is to say is that sometimes more money, sometimes more time would be nice. Um, when I see something like the Constantine uh, City of uh, yep, yep. Demons, where I think because of the way it was structured, where they were doing – um, shorts for the CW, but then um, on the back end, I guess uh, turned the it into video, a movie, right? They had like, I mean, I think that thing's like ninety minutes almost. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely longer than one of our usual movies, and by God, it feels like a movie. I mean, right. I, you know, I mean, it really, sure. and it doesn't feel padded. So, and especially with a character like that, I don't know if that's necessary for every character, but for a character as nuanced as uh, Constantine, that worked great. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'd love to have the option to try to do something longer. My deal is I never want to risk boring people. And so I always, I'm of the, um, um, the thought that less is more, 
you know, you never want to bore people. <laughs> you never want to, and with animation, it's tricky because, um, you know, you can love what's in front of you, but you're not really looking at real people, you know. So there is a finite, to me, there's a finite amount of time that even the best animation can hold a person's attention because there's still some disconnect with what you're looking at, you know. You can be involved in the story, but you still want it. I think 80 minutes, 80 to 90 minutes is tops is, is kind of where the sweet spot for most animated movies, at least in my opinion. We'll be back with the episode in just a moment, but I have to tell you about something from Warner Brothers Animation. This topic is all over the Hall of Justice. Reign of the Supermen. It is already out on digital. That means iTunes, it means Amazon, Google Play, all the ways you can see digital movies. And the Ultra HD Blu-ray Combo Pack is available on January 29th, 2019. Reign of the Supermen finds Earth's citizens and the Man of Steel's heroic contemporaries dealing with a world without Superman. But the aftermath of Superman's death and the subsequent disappearance of his body leads to a new mystery. Is Superman still alive? The question is further complicated when four new superpowered individuals, Steel, Cyborg Superman, Superboy, and the Eradicator, emerge to proclaim themselves as the ultimate hero. In the end, only one will be able to proclaim himself the world's true Superman. And now, the Hall of Justice is proud to present this clip from Reign of the Supermen. are these new guys? Why are they here? What is their place? In a world without a Superman. The Man of Steel is dead. We saw the body. It's time for human beings to stop relying on leagues and titans and start saving ourselves. I can give each of you the power to be your own hero. Clark's body disappears and suddenly these new supermen show up out of the blue. Who the hell are you? I'm Superman. There is only one Superman. You look like Superman, but Superman died in my arms. For my people, death doesn't have to be the end. Terrible things are coming, Lois. I can feel it. We gotta be our own heroes. We sure as hell could make some noise. When the Daily Planet said Superman is dead, it painted a target on the Earth. How do we even begin to fight that? Reign of the Superman. It's out now on digital and coming January 29th to Blu-ray. Now back to the show. I could do a whole podcast with you on Brave and Bold, which we haven't we uh, haven't done <laughs> enough of. So I, I'm just saying, I I I I want to apologize to any listener because if you're mad at me because I didn't follow up on everything this gentleman has said, right. I, we, we'd I'm be roaming. here for we'd be we'd be here for three hours. Um, I'll come back someday. <laughs> that's a deal. You're you're yeah, you're, you're having a, a welcome invitation. Um. All right. So now now so now I have to do one one because I I, <laughs> I, I will kick myself if I don't do it. Um. Killing joke. Killing joke. Okay. The I didn't old... work on that, but okay. Yeah. You know, Bruce Tim did come back after Green Lantern ended. So the okay. the question was going to be the uh, the the love scene with uh, with Batman and Batgirl is that an know? homage to Batman Beyond? Oh, I you know what? Again, I was privy to. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody had such you know so many comments about that, and everybody thought. Well, I put it this and way, I thought it, that it, was the one thing that was never getting said is that's they talk about that in Batman Beyond. Yes, and that's that. Well, I, I know the idea of Batman and Batgirl, you know, being an item. Is not new? Yeah, it was in the animated series. It's part of the animated series as told in Batman Beyond, and then followed up in in um, Mystery of the Batwoman. So to me, 
um, given that it's Kevin and Mark doing the voices and Tara's Batgirl, I think it's like an alternate universe B-Taz. Um, that's of course a little more edgy, but um, sure, sure. But but, but yeah, I know. I mean, if you're saying why, what was that idea connected to Betas? I oh yeah, definitely because yeah, it was totally. Alan and Bruce, and you know they had done it once already and alluded to as much in those other shows. So I think it, they weren't aware, or I think maybe they didn't realize how much fandom had morphed. Uh, or how thin-skinned a fandom had gotten. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, I, don't, I shouldn't say that. But you know, yeah, I don't. I think they thought it was, and I'm, I'm just, I'm speaking for them. But I, I think initially they may have just thought, well, this is a thread we already have, you know, put out there. So we're just following it up with this logical progression of, you know, clearly they dated, according to Batman Beyond. So, I mean, Barbara says it herself. Um, and there's a, there was fall, there was blowback and fallout from that. I mean, in Batman Beyond, Barbara and Bruce are kind of tense with each other. So, um, you know, if you see it, you know, it's funny because certain fans connect everything, but with that one, they don't really want to connect it at all to anything. <laughs> oh my but, goodness! Um, I can I, I saw it right away. I said, "Oh my goodness, that's that's bad." That, that, she talks about it in the diner with Terry McGinnis. She says my it thing happened. Is, yeah, yeah. I I boarded that scene where she tells Terry McGinnis. I boarded that scene. That's, that's <laughs> I sure funny. did. All this, all yeah. the stuff, all the vitriol on Twitter in the world. I swear, I saw that, and I I couldn't say it enough. Like I screamed it on the podcast when that movie came out because I didn't understand where people were were going the wrong direction. Well, I just think um, I kind of think that when I watched it with regular. And I'll just—I'll call them civilians, for lack of a better word. People who aren't <laughs> steeped in comics. People that didn't know. prick their finger. Or yeah, the or the last version of Batgirl they saw was Yvonne Craig. To them, it wasn't that big a deal. I'm a, you know, at least not as big a deal as what, you know. I think if any, if it had happened with any other character in any other movie, you know, I don't think it would have had that same reaction. I don't know, but I, I'm I'm just guessing, but. uh I don't know. I mean, it would it be something I I would have particularly done? I don't know. I don't think so. But um, I see both ways. I see both sides of it. I know why they made that choice because they don't look at this from a fan person's perspective. It's just drama to them. What kind of complication can happen to make things even more complicated for these characters? You know what I mean? It's it's drama. It's what would happen in a regular movie. It's so it's not so much you know. But um, I see both sides of it. As a as a comic book purist, I also say you know there's a part of me that goes, oh my gosh, why did that happen? You know. But um, but you know I'm not <laughs> I'm in the middle of it. So uh, yeah. Um, voice actors. Um, it wow. seems from the distance that the star power of the voices has just gotten brighter. It seems like, you know, Superboy is now the, the, the Cameron Monaghan, the kid from Shameless and, and Gotham. And, you know, uh, 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 Jerry O'Connell, I mean, he's a, a rock star. And, and you, Rebecca Romaine, you have his, his lowest lane. Like it, it, and it's not to knock any of the previous actors. That's not where sure. I'm going here. But it seems like um, bigger stage, bigger actor. Like, it, it just seems like a who's who. Is that a conscious thing or is that just a coincidence? Well, I th- uh, it's a little of both, and I think what has happened is that because of the success of all these live-action things, you know, it used to be, with, it, I wouldn't say it's hard to get people to do these types of movies in the past, but there definitely was a vetting, meaning, you know, you had to prove that your project wasn't silly or cheap or ridiculous. You know, you had to explain why is this, why is this this comic book thing going to be something that an actor would want to do? And granted, some actors like Mark Hamill were already fans coming in, so they already knew. You didn't have to convince right. them. But uh, but you know, the average actor who's you know you know is visible on screen and you know state whatever. Um, it seemed like it might have been a harder call, but in the past, whereas now, I think. 
with just the you know omnipresence of all this superhero you know and all the the biggest budgeted movie the big money making movies sure. are superhero movies now so i think now it has a cachet that allows us to just reach out to people that we we may have just not even bothered with because we just assumed they wouldn't be interested and now and i have to give a you know, we cast things. We come basically sit in a room and say, "Well, maybe this person, maybe that person." But it comes down to Wes Gleason, who's our our voice director, casting person, to go out and actually make the first contact with them and uh, talk to them and you know explain to them the projects and all that. And um, he do, he's doing a great job, and he's really netted us some big names that uh, you know I don't know that we would have gotten in another time. If 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 sure, you sure, know, the fair. world hadn't, but um, yeah, I mean the thing about you know Jerry was, you know he he came in and he'd done voice. You know that's the thing. Some people just enjoy voice acting. They love. They, it's all acting to them. But um, you know having you to, to being able to yeah you don't have to do all that. It's it's more of a and I think most a lot of actors like being, you know they they think of acting as an art. But in the day-to-day of, of being an actor, you know, you're on a set, you got all this crew. It, the idea of it being an art form gets kind of lost, I think, in the mix. And I, what I've noticed with a lot of actors when they come in to, to play with us, um, because it's animation, that idea of it being an art form, being artistic, seems to be a little more present. It's also more imaginative because they don't, you know, they're basically creating something with their voice without anything existing in front of them really. So I think there's there's another aspect of the acting where it's tapping into that child in them and stuff. So I, I don't know. It, I think we always have tried to make doing these type of projects fun for them, um, you know, inspire them, and then and, and collaborate with them and allow them to bring something to the table. And, it, you know, it's just, uh, I think it's just a, a, a lot of things. That have come to that led us to this place. Um, I want my last question to to deal with rain, but I have one that I oh, think okay. they would they would take my my superhero fandom card <laughs> out away okay. if I don't. Oh, I'm ask sorry, you. I'm rambling because I no you no know, you're I great. Can, you've yeah. been you've been fine. You've been fine. Um, <laughs> the last episode of Brave and the Bold uh, yeah. is that is that whose love letter is that, and is that just Warner Brothers <laughs> or or your love letter to Batman? Well, um, parts of it are my love letter. I think, I mean, you know, Paul Dini did the script. The idea came, a combo of ideas. I think, I think I, I'm crediting um, Michael Jelnick, who was my co-producer on it. Sure. Because he wanted to do a last, he wanted to do a final episode. And I was on the fence about it. I was like, you know, some of the classic, um, you know, shows on television never had a final episode. Like Gilligan's Island, did they ever really they get never, off the they island? They never get off the island, right. You know, did Bravey Bunch have a final episode? I mean, I guess, you know, Jump the Shark with Cousin Oliver, but, right, right, you know, right. it it might as well have been the end, but it didn't have a happy, final happy days had a, Happy Days had a final episode. Did they? Let's see. When he hits, the, he hits the thing one last time, he, he shuts the light. At, he pounds oh, the wall okay. to shut the light at Arnold's one more time. Yeah. Well, and then that, and then I remembered Mary Tyler Moore had a final episode. Yep, now, she you know, did. Yeah, now, they all hugged each other. Yep. So part of me was like, I want the show to go on and on, and in people's imaginations as being an ongoing, never-ending thing. But then I also thought about those other shows that did have endings, like um, Cheers and um, you know New Heart. The New Heart ending was great. I don't remember oh yeah, that yeah. When it, it's a dream, and <laughs> he finds out he's, he's the it's the other. <laughs> That was brilliant, but um, but so anyway, I once once Michael pitched me what he thought the idea would be, and I, he and Ben pitched me together. I think it's as memory serves. I was like, oh okay. Um, the only thing I was specific about was really at the very end. I really uh, wanted Batman to make a speech directly to the camera. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, um, oh God, I love it. And I, you know, I put in the boys and girls line where he was addressing. Um, the, kids, the kids, you know, yep. because he's really addressing all of us. Yep. And, uh... Oh, it breaks your heart. It, it, it's such, <laughs> it's, it, it's the first, I'll tell you what it is. It's the first thing I went to when I got the DC universe app. 
because oh wow, I, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I, Brave and the Bold is 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 a show that's not. I'm not the target demo for that, but it's a it's a it's an homage to to classic Batman. And that last episode was the I hadn't seen it in years. And when I found, you know, you see this cornucopia of stuff when you when yeah. you get that app. And you know, yeah. you know we mm-hmm. we've done. We're actually going out there to do a couple of episodes with the folks from DC Daily and all that stuff. Oh, and awesome. and and um, but it's funny. That's the first thing. Just not the the whole series. That episode. Right. That one episode uh, was yeah. was was fantastic. All right, last one. I love putting you on the spot because it's a podcast, oh. so I can oh. always manipulate this. But oh. uh, no, um, a couple of uh, about a year ago, we ranked all the DC animated movies oh okay. it was like a one through 30 it was like a one through 30 yeah. and so so the first thing is i, I want you to settle a debate does okay. sub-zero mask of the phantasm return of the joker do they count when you're ranking movies or does it start with superman doomsday in your mind oh that's a hard uh okay in my mind um, in your mind Settle, settle a debate. I, well, I'll put it this way. I think Doomsday really started off the kinds of movies we were making okay. that we make now. Because prior to that, the movie, even if it was a Batman movie, it, can't, it fell under the idea that anything animated was going to be kiddie fair. Yeah. And I know Bruce and those guys had to struggle mightily to make sure the movies like Mask of the Phantasm and Return of the Joker looked like they were what they were as opposed to looking like, you know, the other, you know, um, whimsical crap. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it was For lack of a better phrase. That, right. And the, the thing is, the I think the viewing, the, the mindset at home video changed with um, the start of Doomsday. I mean, they went with the bloody S, you know, they wanted the 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 mindset of what these movies could be originated with Doomsday. Um, now that doesn't mean those earlier movies don't have things to to you know recommend, and particularly Return of the Joker. We you know it was as hard hitting in places oh. as any of these new movies. One of the greatest uh, Batman movies ever told. Right. Um, the unedited, I mean the uncensored one. Right, the uncensored one. <laughs> you know, right. but the original one that came out was heavily censored. It's good in its own way, actually. I mean, the the whole, and I don't know if anyone's ever done a, a story about that, about what everyone had to do to make that um, a G-rated movie or PG-rated. I don't know. I, it was su- it was such a triage that had to be done on that first cut of a uh, uh, oh. original <laughs> version of mask of um. um Return of the Joker, <laughs> but I'm glad the original, the 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 director's cut as it was meant to be seen, it finally got out there. Um, but anyway, all that's to say is I think Doomsday is kind of the start of what this line is, and okay. also I think that also ties into the uh, because we we're closer to what the comics are. Um, those earlier movies you mentioned really that's aren't. Fair. Yeah, yeah. They're not connected to the mo- the comics really okay. as much. So based on that answer, and I just no, you just made no. me think of something. So th- this is not my last question, but uh-huh. you, you, based on that answer, is Reign of the Supermen in the top third? And I'll caveat that by saying I in my life uh, worked with Prince, and I, you know, people who listen Ooh. to this podcast know. And Prince always used to say whenever people used to ask him what's your favorite song, he would always say the next one, and. <laughs> And so, so I say, if you were going to rank them in thirds, top third, middle third, bottom third, give me a mm. reason why Reign of the Superman is in the top third. Wow. Um, I think it's a damn good movie. <laughs> it's a damn, <laughs> um, I think, I, and I think of, of, of all of the ones we've done where there is an ad- adaptation aspect to it. Um, I don't know. I think it, I, I'm, I'm going to look at it this way. I think it's a really damn good Superman movie. That's not um, that it's his own thing. You know, I think it's it's probably the most different Superman anything we've seen in a while or ever. Really, I mean, I'm trying to think. Most of the Superman movies 
come off of an origin a standpoint of his origin you know or a revisit like superman returns was kind of a remake of uh sure the christopher Reeve Su- you know like right. so i think as far as superman movies go this and in like all-star superman to me is also a really good okay. superman story um i think this one's definitely more of a popcorn movie okay. uh, in its own way and uh I don't know. That's why I, I think it's a damn good, entertaining movie. Yeah. Once again, uh, the movie Reign of the Superman is already out on digital. So that means uh, iTunes or Amazon or wherever you get uh, digital movies. And it'll come out on Blu-ray and, um, and, 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 and all the uh, you know, DVD and all the ways people see these movies. And uh, it is the culmination. The Death of Superman came out six months ago. And now Reign of the Superman uh, will be here and uh, we'll have an extensive uh, recap with the uh, with the entire cast uh, right here on the Hall of Justice. But uh, Mr. Tucker, uh, I'm telling you, man, I, I, I knew it going in. I knew this show was not going to be uh, a simple, simple interview. And all I want to say to anybody listening to this is take your DVDs and shove them. This was a better conversation. <laughs> well, I'll come back and fill in any gaps if I, I need to. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's just yeah, you a may rambling have, yeah. guy. Now yeah. you may have to. It, I mean, if you think about it, you, you gloss over Legion of Superheroes. And we, yeah. you know, we just we, we glossed over it. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Wait, wait, a, wait a second. We, we, and, and, and in the interest of time, it's, it's kind of like trying to get a, an animated movie to fit into 75 minutes. Yeah, wait, full circle. We talked about go. that. So. It all it all comes full circle. Uh, how cool. can people find you? Uh, are, are you a social media guy? Do you do you want to remain you know, anonymous? I, uh, I I keep a low profile. I'm too busy, and I don't like I don't like leaving people hanging. So I just say you you can find me out there if you look. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know James Tucker. There's a lot of James Tuckers though. So there are there are. I'm the black one. <laughs> on that note, uh, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> please rate and review and uh all the vitriol uh we will forward to james tucker uh no th- oh. seriously man uh thanks one for of the other on ones the <laughs> okay <laughs> thank you it's awesome. been my pleasure <laughs> that's james tucker right here on the hall of justice thank you for listening thank you for downloading And thank you for subscribing. We will have another exciting episode next Thursday right here on the Hall of Justice. Thanks.